All right, disclaimer, this is a podcast, and uh, while we are sometimes knowledgeable, we don't know everything, and get your news from current sources, because this will probably be outdated by the time you listen to it. Yeah, is that a good, good disclaimer? Yeah, that sounds good, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> okay. Hello, Alaska. This is Pat Race. And this is Matt Buxton. And this is a podcast about Alaska. Um, today, we are going to talk about the triple threat to Alaska's economy. We've got the stock market crash, which uh, impacts our permanent fund earnings. We've got the uh, coronavirus's impact on tourism, uh, an industry that accounts for one in, in 10 jobs in Alaska, uh, and uh, the impact of the recent uh price war on oil and how the prices have declined. So those are three areas that are pretty essential to Alaska's uh, economy and to Alaska's state budgeting process. And uh, they've all gone sideways as of late, driven primarily by the coronavirus, um, but uh, also some other external forces. And the really interesting thing here for me is that this is like a big external problem that really isn't you know you can't point fingers and say this is Mitch you know the governor messed up and now 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 there's a global pandemic um, right or even you can't even like point <laughs> fingers at like Alaska's tax policy we can't it's not because we're not competitive enough you know I, I don't hope the answer isn't going to be to cut more oil taxes yeah today is the fifteenth of March and mm-hmm. things are changing rapidly um, you know, like who knows what could happen tomorrow but where we're at now is like multiple countries are shut down you know you've got italy and spain yeah. are you know telling people to stay home unless they need to go get medicine um it feels you know, like the, most of alaska right now is is kind of locked down as far as um there's not like a, every sort of big gathering a lot of sort of things are being shut down right now we still only have one confirmed case of covid19 in alaska uh, there've been, you know, other kind of high profile tests that have come back negative. So we're kind of in a, it feels like we're in a really, like we're waiting for it to hit. Like it's, a, it's, yeah. um, the governor, um, has described it as a slow moving storm, you know, in addition to other sort of things like momentary glitch and bump in the road. But I think a slow moving storm is a really good, uh, explanation of what's going on right now. It feels like we're just kind of bracing for it to hit. And I think, uh, the tourism industry is something that you're kind of, tied into pretty closely um yeah huge part of juno's economy i mean there's already small businesses in town that are kind of basically going belly up they've invested a lot or they've just bought a business or they've um you know ramped up for this tourism season we've we've seen a growth in tourism the last several years it's been you know 1 million visitors 1.2 million visitors 1.4 million visitors so so there's been a a real hunger to tap into that economy. And so people are putting a lot of money into that industry and they're exposing themselves to risk when they do that. And when something like this happens, that risk comes home and, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be hard. There's people that are having going out of business sales before the season starts. And it's, uh, um, you know, I don't know how it's going to impact me personally. Um, you know, our gallery is certainly going to take a hit. Um, I might be able to, do some more work for hire on the other side of the equation and balance things out. But, uh, it's, um, they're depending on different people's situations. It can be really rough. I think the food industry particularly will have a, a mm-hmm. tough go of it. it, it you know, the food industry works on very thin margins and high volume. And if that volume is not there, 
um, depending on what your saving situation is or, or what your your debt is um, and when it comes to call it could be it could be real bad for a lot of people and and you know and I'm less I guess I'm less worried about some of the business the business owners I'm worried about but also like all these employees who work for them who are going to get laid off you know it's generally if you're if you own a business you're doing fairly well um, and right. then the next next tier down is the person that's that seasonal worker you've got all these kids that come you know, come and spend the summer here working and they're just not going to have a job. So it'll be really, uh, it'll be interesting and, and see what happens with travel the and cruise ship industry too. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that a lot of that focus has sort of been on the coastal communities right now with a, you know, Juno, which is set to receive its cruise ships at some point, hopefully. Um, it, it, we sort of, everything's been canceled and, or delayed and postponed. So it's sort of unclear, like exactly what it's, yeah. the impact on Alaska is going to be. But I think it's really important to remember that like those cruise ships are often dropping off passengers in South Central too and there are they are getting on buses and trains and going up into the interior and getting on planes out of there or you know or going the other way and so I think everywhere is going to be hit by it. It's yeah, it's going to be a real question about to what degree, but I think you know I I can think of a lot of businesses in Fairbanks that are um you know totally uh and Anchorage too, that are totally, you know, tourist driven and are going to be hurting. I've talked to a couple people. Um, so I do um, some reporting too in the marijuana <laughs> industry. If I work for the Fairbanks Daily News Miners, uh, they own a, a magazine there. I used to work for them. So I kind of still do some uh, freelance work reporting with them and talked to recently a couple businesses um, just kind of in other sort of stories where they go, oh God, I really don't know what's going to happen this summer. I'm really worried about it too because they are you know they get a lot of tourism coming through or you know in, in another one they they actually um they uh are in one of the communities where a lot of the tourism industry's workers uh, live too they're in healy so um it's not really directly tourism but it's the tourism jobs so uh i think it's it's one of those things where yeah the impact is just going to be really broad and it's going to be hard to see until it happens and i think and I've sort of talked about this a little bit, and I think reporters have been asking the governor about it too, is, you know, there's a lot of focus right now on, you know, the disease and preventing infections and minimizing all that, which I think is really important. But there's really not a lot of talk right now about the economic impact of it all. And that's kind of, they sort of waved it off as something that will happen later. And I think maybe the problem is, is that, you know, the other two problems in our budget are, is our budget, right? So we have uh, really... You know the ability of the state, I think, to to respond to the economy with you know any any sort of surplus spending or any kind of other programs is going to be really limited because the the money into the government is also going to be taking a hit with this. Yeah. So so let's talk about that. We the um the first big one is is that we've seen the stock market has been wildly erratic, but but pretty. Wait, actually, I'm kind of curious. Oh yeah. Sorry. What do you? So I'm curious. Yeah, you are. You're a business owner. You're probably one of the people that is kind of, you know, wondering what's going to happen, what's going to be there. Yeah. Um, what do you think about kind of the response of like it's health first and economy second somewhere down the line? I mean, that makes sense to me actually. I okay. think that like the the if we don't get the health stuff under control, then the economic stuff is going to be like way out of control. And so, you know, treating the disease, not the symptom. Right. So, um, you know, the, the economy is going to be a problem. And we'll need to figure that out. But right now, the problem will be caused by the health issues. And so we need to get on top of those health issues. The, the thing that I'm surprised by is that there hasn't really been 
and I don't know how it would happen even, but it doesn't feel like as a business owner, it doesn't feel like anyone's like communicating with me. Like I read the news. Oh yeah. I read the news, but I haven't got any like, you know, mailers from the state that says like, Hey, this is what you need to do as a business owner. Or like, this is what, you know, this is, this is the direction we're taking. I don't know that there's, I don't even know how that would happen. Like, so what happens if Alaska says everyone needs to stay home? Do they, does that just, you know, hope people are reading the ADN and spreading the word on Facebook or is there an actual like system to communicate with the citizens of the state? Man, I don't know. Cause, cause it yeah. doesn't feel like to me, like I, I think it's, you know, putting out a press release is a little bit different. Like, I don't feel like there's clear guidance is I guess what I'm saying. Right. So um, on one hand, there's people that are just going about their everyday business. Uh, on the other hand, you've got people that are raiding Costco and clearing off the shelves, which is wild by the way. I don't know if you've been to any big box yeah. stores lately, no, I, but it's yeah. like, um, well, you know, yeah, we've got, yeah. we've got real supply chain issues. I've heard that the, mm-hmm. you know, and this is all rumor and, conjecture and whatnot but i've heard that the fred myers here like they reordered a bunch of stuff and got like 25 percent of their order so it's yeah. you know like the supply chain issues are going to be real and they're going to hit us hard and if something happens like they shut down the port of seattle say you know seattle's like seattle's so important to alaska and it's also the epicenter of coronavirus so you've got mm-hmm. um all these possibilities where seattle could shut down in different ways that would affect alaska it's interesting too but i went to costco like on tuesday or wednesday i think and it was pretty, pretty normal, you know, in the middle of the day. It was, you know, there was no toilet paper, but pretty much everything else is there. And then I think it was the net, the following day, it was like uh, uh, lines all the way back to the meat section. Uh, I wow. went to Fred Meyer yesterday, or sorry, on, on Friday. And, uh, you know, all the toilet paper, except for a couple like individually wrapped uh, um, uh, uh, paper towels were all gone. So I guess everything <laughs> oh, was gone. It's a and then like it's a funny pile and, on effect and beans and rice and like and pasta were all gone. But like it was kind of weird because there's a lot of other things that are completely fine in stock, you know, so it's sort of this. Yeah, it's it, it, it feels like people are, are preparing right now, but kind of in some ways. Yeah, I, I it doesn't feel like there's a yeah, like you're right. There's a lot, not a lot of clear guidance right now. So a lot of people are just kind of yeah. grabbing what they see. Other people are grabbing on TV, I guess. It's very interesting. Well. Yeah, and there's like this weird pile-on effect where like I don't feel like I need to hoard toilet paper, but if if we're gonna run out of toilet paper, I want to go get some. You right. Know? And yeah. So it's like so it becomes this strange thing of like, well, dang it, that guy's buying all the rice. I better get some rice. Yeah. And so I don't know what. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess it's gonna be like you're in an interesting position. Like you're you work from home already, and you are a journalist, and there's a lot of news right now. Right. Um, yeah. So like. You're in a, you're sitting in a good position, but there are a lot of people who are going to be um, asked to stay home by an employer right. or who are who are forced to shutter their business for a while. I'm kind of interested in what happens in terms of like uh, the housing market. Like, are people going right. to start foreclosing on a bunch of places if they miss a couple of rent checks? You know. Yeah, I mean um, that's that's what you see. Um, you know, you look at Italy and how it's responding right now, uh, and it, there are places where they are, you know, they are suspending rent payments and stuff like that. And I think those are some of those. Maybe those are the sort of discussions we'll need to be having. And that's I think going back to the 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 state's response to the economy. I honestly don't really know what the state would really do right like what can well, what can I, they do? What about overnight? the Alaska 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 Housing Finance Corporation could suspend all mortgages, right? For, for yeah, so months. those are some things there. I, 
too. And I think, um, you know, I think the the right now, I think stuff like the the federal um, congressional bill that talks about extended um, or beefing up um, unemployment uh, benefits and sick leave stuff, even though it sounds like some of it's kind of flawed, they can't like force everybody to give sick leave. But um, there are, you know, so it sounds like a lot of places are sort of coming together with that. I think too, you know, I think it's sort of interesting, you see some businesses talking about you know, that they'll be paying employees if they even if they're sent home. I think that's kind of, you know, I'm glad that there are businesses that can afford that. I think a lot probably can't. But yeah, um, that would be hard for me to do. Yeah. But like, you know, those are sort of those big players that can, you know, that do have some of the, you know, like Taco Bell has talked about that. Um, Wow. And I think, you know, if we're going to kind of try to stop the the worst of it, some stuff like that would would be helpful. But yeah, Yeah. I mean, the the other thing, the other thing is for like, you know, if you bring up Taco Bell, like the, if they don't pay their employees, then the, the likelihood of their employees going out and seeking other employment or finding some other way to hustle up some money is pretty high. And so then you lose your workforce and then you have to, then let's say this thing is, let's say we iron this thing out in a couple months, then you, you have no employees yeah. and you're trying to open up shop with, you know, so there's a, there actually is a, a an advantage, like it might pencil out to, to keep employees retained yeah uh throughout throughout a crisis like this so that you, when you are ready to open up again you're you're not having to retrain right a ton of people yeah and you also you know get to get a little bit of good press too i think there's a little bit of goodwill about you know trying to yeah. help everybody else out right now so so have you been watching the stock market yeah <laughs> yeah so the last number so so the stock market is really important to the alaska budget um, the primary way, there's several ways that it's important, but the primary way that it's important is that it uh, is really uh, the stock or the sorry, the Alaska Permanent Fund is really um, reliant on the health of the stock market. So since July 1, it's lost about $7 billion in value. I think it's at $59 billion as of Thursday night. So you know, it's important to remember that the stock market rallied on Friday, so it could have gained a billion or so back. Um, so it's really, really uh, sensitive and really kind of wild right now. And so um, it's it looks like it could really hurt. I mean, so the big discussion that the legislature has been having and, and the permanent fund um, kind of the managers have been having over the last few years now that the you know, now that the permanent fund is being used to fund government in some degree. Yeah, is what happens if it if there's several years of bad markets and and the all the accounts get run to zero? Where are we at then? And so this sort of discussion has kind of felt really um, academic for the last two years. A lot of people going, "Oh, we don't need to worry about projections because we need to worry about today," kind of stuff. And I think we yeah. are worrying about to, there's a lot of worry about today now. Um, but now, you know, we're looking at projections for a couple of years out where it, it could get really bad. Um, so I think, you know, the the way that this impacts the legislature's budget is re- kind of unclear. The, the more immediate hit is going to be from um, oil prices going down, which is a whole other thing. Um, but, you know, I think it really increases a lot of the momentum right now and interest, I think, in, in kind of reworking how the permanent fund dividend is 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 um, paid out and how yeah. that is sort of determined. So so the permanent fund, I understand, is like averaged over several years. And right. so that smooths out some of these market 
jangles. Like yes. you know, so, the four four previous good years will help offset this one bad year. Is that similar with how we fund government? Yes. Is it also averaged? Okay. Yeah, it's the same same way. So it's yeah the five year rolling average or lagging rolling average or whatever I think the word is. Um, and so yeah, so you um, I mean you could look at the you know early two thousand tens. You know even though the economy had really rebounded, it was. They were carrying several of the bad years. So the dividends really didn't get yeah. big until like the middle of to the 2010s because they were carrying all those really bad 2008 and after recession years. And so those were really dragging it down. Even if you looked at the returns for those years, it was really pretty strong. Um, yeah. So, but it's nice. It's nice because it's not as erratic, though. It's it, and you do have to carry those bad years into the future. But it's nice to smooth it out and have a more dependable income. Right. And I think it, you know, I think that there is kind of in the legislature. There's sort of the they're sort of torn between the two uh, kind of uh, uh, sort of tor- torn between two sort of competing pressures here. Is that you know you have the immediate sort of mar- market problems that are are really making the numbers look bad right now. And then you also have like the fact that the permanent fund is sort of made for this a little bit where it is supposed to kind of go up and down or we're supposed to have like an account that will kind of serve as a buffer. And it's when we start spending that buffer down that we get into a lot of trouble. And it's what we've done with the CBR over the last two years. Um, And it's potentially what could happen to the earnings reserve account. So, you know, it's really interesting right now this week. This last week was really interesting where we had kind of the really the bad news started to come like middle and later of the week but we were getting the kind of early ideas of it early in the week that things are not looking good for the permanent fund but i think it was on monday or tuesday the administration um had a hearing about their desire to pay back last year's pfd and so it was an 800 million dollar era withdrawal um that would be on top you know it would take our uh already kind of aggressive spending out of that account up like a point and a half and you could just see every single majority legislator i guess or you know every single person who's sort of been on the the responsible smaller pfd side i guess um say pretty much hell no you know no way are we going to consider paying out of did anyone was there anyone that was actually on board with that like they actually think that's a responsible move right now the dunleavy the the sort of the dunleavy aligned republicans still you know they're still it's still the big political you know it's their their whole reason for running right you know so i think they're still kind of pushing for that um you know i think they're thinking too is that the money wouldn't be in there if we hadn't stolen their pfds the last time around you know so it's our money it's just being held there by the government so there's kind of you know it'll be interesting to see how that sort of thinking continues to play out i mean i think yeah, do you I think, think it, they get more? Do you think like a crisis like this makes them more likely to need that need and want that money, or well, do you think that yeah, they, I mean, think, they start reading the room and understand that like okay, hey, the the government's really suffering? I mean, I think there, but I think there is a case for you know that I think that you can make the argument that these a lot of people are going to need that extra thousand dollars, right? Right. I mean, if you want to continue to fight fight for it, it there's. A good argument, I think, there that you know, yeah, a thousand dollars more to Alaskans would be really useful right now, and they are getting to a point now where, you know, those big additional payments continued on would create some real difficulty, I think, for you know even next year's dividend or the dividend and the after that. So I think we're we are finally kind of getting to a point where, you know, not just you know not we're not just getting in, in trouble of 
you know, what size the dividend is, but we're getting to a point where in a couple of years it could be, do we have a dividend at all? And also, do we have any way to fund government at all? And so, you know, I think we're, we are fast. We keep on talking about this cliff, right? And we, we are, I don't, we yeah, are fast. The, cl- the cliff, the cliff is coming. The cliff is coming to us. Yes. Now. It is, I, I feel like we were approaching the cliff and we we're kind of like slow dragging our feet. We're trying to like not go over it too yeah. soon, but the cliff has started like the mountainside is falling away. The cliff is coming to yeah. us. It's happening. Yeah. Like we're so in the, this is going to very much accelerate this crisis that Alaska has slowly been barreling towards. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, Matt, tell me, I, as I understand it, <laughs> oil has something. Oil prices have something to do with all of oh. this. Tell me about oil. Oil prices. What's going on with with uh, with oil prices? And actually, another thing is like, are we concerned that production might shut down because of the coronavirus? You know, we're not there yet. Um, you know, a lot of the so first of all, the long term outlook is has hasn't really changed a whole lot yet. But you know, say these so oil prices. Um, so what was the, the whole story was that uh, the Saudis wanted to pull back on oil production to help the market. Russians said no. Then uh, Saudis turned around and said, okay, fine, we'll just turn on the valve all the way. So right now, oil prices, I think, are down to about $30 a barrel, if not less. Um, so it's really bad. And so, I mean, like that, the, the 2013, 15, the 15 crash, right, with, with under Bill Walker, where everything went really sideways, we were 26 we I were think, about we, the, yeah we were about right here so i mean i yeah. think the, the good point that the point that some people have been making is that you know the overall percentage of our budget that relies on oil is far less than it used to be you know which is kind of it's a sort of a function of the fact that there's far less oil and then we've found other ways like the the permanent fund to, to patch some of those holes um yeah but even with that said uh it's looking really bad i mean so the kind of latest sort of estimates that we have is about a 500 to 600 million dollar additional shortfall this next year uh 300 million dollars additional shortfall this year um and there's not really a super clear way of like what that even means like how does that impact state government there's not been we really don't have a good look at it i mean um they just you know, they just approved three hundred million dollars to you know to make up for the the shortfalls and the firefighting costs and the current year budget. Um, so we have an additional three hundred million on top of that now that we're not really sure how it's, it's going to be handled. Uh, there's not really a lot of savings to sort of backstop any of that sort of stuff. Um, so when do we when do we start hitting hard walls? Like when do we start hitting like like three quarters votes and stuff so, like that. So I mean, we're already there. So any sort of any real way to fund government right now will pretty much require a lot of that sort of stuff. Um, the question is, you know, what happens in this current year? You know, last year, uh, you know, every year really it feels like in the last few years we've had, you know, debates about, you know, or, you know, articles and discussion about like what happens if this program X, Y, or Z runs out of money in the year and so we've seen or you know the government shutdown kind of stuff and so that's kind of what it looks like i mean i honestly don't want to speculate a whole lot because you know it could you know everything could be fine tomorrow by the time you're listening to this and and we you know we don't know seems unlikely yeah yeah i mean i think that i think that an event like this has a lot of follow-on effects that we aren't going to even be able to process until we're through the the event and you know like i i think that what's happening right now in the united states is that we're largely ignoring 
the the health crisis and because of that we're going to feel the impacts you know we're going to be like italy in in you know a month from now the united states is going to be a mess i i think yeah, I mean, and that's based on what's happening in other countries yeah i mean i think the the i think that it's going to very quickly reveal the dangers in dismantling all these programs right i mean we even in alaska you know it's been um you know they've a lot of progressives have won some very hard won fights i think to kind of at least slow the roll on a lot of these cuts but there have been some pretty significant cuts as well as um you know loss of institutional knowledge i think right now i think probably the big thing that is probably going in alaska's favor honestly is that we do have medicaid expansion um so it means a, a huge huge swath of people that wouldn't have otherwise had any sort of health coverage have some kind of health coverage now um but you know so i think but, you know, I don't think that's going to necessarily change anybody, any conservative pol- policymakers mind about efforts to change it to a block grant program or institute work requirements or anything like that. You know, so um, I think, yeah, so I think I'd be, I'd be pretty concerned about it. You know, you look at um, a lot of the nursing homes, for example, they are uh, really underpaid, you know, a lot of private, you know, sort of facilities, you know, I'm not entire, I think I would assume that the pioneer homes are at least a little bit better. But, you know, if you look at um, the Evergreen Clint Health Center in in Kirkland, where we had all the the, the deaths and this horrible situation with old elderly people, um, you know, there's a lot of kind of places in the system that are, are really kind of working at the bare minimum already, and um, or working near capacity already, I guess. And I think that yeah, the the any sort of possibility of stressing any of that is going to get really bad really quick, and I think it's going to you know hopefully we hopefully there's some le- lessons to learn out of this, but I kind of wary about any of that. Yeah, I I think there's some I think it's important to pay attention right now. Um, you know, if you're listening to this, you're probably also reading the news and and doing just that. Uh, Alaska Public Media is doing a lot of good coverage. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of good coverage out there. Um, almost every time I turn on the radio, I'm hearing a story about the coronavirus and trying to imagine how that impacts Alaska and Alaskans. Um, you know, it's it's it, I, one thing I heard recently was this historian was recommending that people um, journal um, and and kind of write down what's going on, just because this is such a a big event that any records that come out of this are going to be things that historians in the future are going to be interested in. Um, you know, personal accounts and that kind of thing. Um, and I was thinking, I wanted to ask you kind of when in your mind did this tip from being, um, you know, something that was kind of in the background to something that was in the foreground? When, when did it seem like, Oh, this is a thing. You know, it felt like kind of earlier this week, really. Um, I think, you know, the, I think it, it really seemed to all sort of pivot on, what was it that was it Thursday? The day where um, it was Trump's horrible speech was that Wednesday night? I yeah maybe so sure let's, let's call it Wednesday. What, uh, the historians will remember. <laughs> whenever Sarah Palin went on the Masked Singer, that day oh my that God. day was the day that felt like everything kind of turned. To be honest, I think that was oh, when I don't even remember when that was well, now. Just just look it up. It'll drive. I'm you looking crazy. It up right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was crazy. The the she went on the mass singer as the bear. I just was imagining you because you showed me, you told me about that show, and I was imagining that you were just like winding down from a day of following Alaska politics and just like, oh man, I'm so done with this. I'm gonna sit down and just veg out and watch some TV, and I'm gonna turn it on, and then all of a sudden it's like Sarah Palin dancing in a bear suit, and I just, yeah. I, 
I love it. Yeah, I actually watched it. So that was on Wednesday. So mm. it feels like Wednesday was sort of the, the turning point. I think that was when um, the NBA season got cl- shut down. I think that was when Tom Hanks was announced that he had um, the virus. I think that was also the day yeah. that we, the country, uh, a lot, the U.S. Uh, instituted the travel ban on Europe. Um, it felt like everything kind of became real all of a sudden really quick. Because it felt like kind of things were still kind of going normal, I think. There's a lot of young people that were looking at travel still. I I, I actually have yeah. I was planning on traveling to Europe in mid April and that's that's all gone now. It's really bummed me out. Um but I think yeah, the Sarah Palin dancing around in a bear suit seemed like a really and on you know, that show isn't filmed live. Just I I know I've seen enough of it to know it's not filmed live. Um so I think it happened well before any of this is happening. Um but I like but that it, as a marker. It, it's like it has nothing to do with the coronavirus, but it's a it's a marker in your memory of like that was the day that everything was like screwed up, was like messed up. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Something every everything kind of shifted on that day. I think that might actually have been the same day for me too. I I'm actually yeah. supposed to be right now this weekend I'm supposed to be exhibiting at the Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle. And that got shut down about a week ahead of time. And I was like, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. It's sort of a big event with a lot of people in a tight space. And, you know, I was thinking like, that's not such a big deal, but you know, now you're seeing events being shut down, like the Alaska folk festival and mm-hmm. gold medal basketball tournament. And these are like little, you know, on the scale of, of, of something like Emerald city comic-con, these are small events yeah. for sm- small towns. And when those start shutting down, it's, I mean, that's really wild. And and I'm organizing an event right now, you know, so I've got this, you know, we do this comic convention here in Juneau and a, a camp, you know, it's, and it's not a ton of people, but like everyone's dropping out and, you know, we haven't officially canceled it yet, but I can see where the wind is blowing and it's a, it, it's a interesting, it's going to be an interesting time to try and figure out how to navigate it in terms of like personal finances. Like Marion and I just bought a condo, which, which is pretty uh, I don't know if it's going to be the worst timing ever or the mm. best timing ever, but it's like we're on the precipice of this sort of societal shift. And if that lasts for a year, it could be really rough. Yeah. If that lasts, you know, if it's two years, it could be really, really rough. Um, but then again, maybe no one will just come, no one will come show up to kick us out because everyone's quarantined. Who knows? Right. But, um, <laughs> and yeah, and it's not, I think that I guess it's important to like, this isn't, this isn't Ebola. Like, it's not like, it's not, it's not the, uh, it's not outbreak, you know, you're not gonna have like blood shooting out of your face or whatever. It's, it's, but it is a disease that is really tough on the elderly and we're all trying to limit their exposure. And so the fewer people carrying it around, the better. Um, and so I, you know, it seems like a really sensible thing. Like I played in a soccer tournament this weekend and, and after a couple conversations I had yesterday, I felt wildly irresponsible for doing that. Yeah. I think. And it, so, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think, I think now I'm going into like hermit mode. I think it's interesting. I think that there's, I, I kind of, yeah, look at, you know, I, I've been sort of self quarantining in one way or another since 2017 when I started working on the blog. Um, I'm not, not the most sort of social person to start off with, but um, I think that there is, I think I see, you know, I started to talk to a lot of people and sort of seeing, I think there's a real sense of duty, I think, to sort of limiting our events right now. And I think that is kind of, um, really commendable. And I think, you know, I, and I know that there's a lot of stuff that's still going on, you know, regardless people are saying, oh, I'm going to wash hands because I'm an American. I'm, I'm going to still shake hands because I'm an American or whatever. 
But I think for the most part, I think a lot of people are kind of stepping up to the duty to one another um, right now. And I think you see a lot of people saying, you know, look, I'm healthy. Um, I can go run errands for you if you are, you know, you can't are unable to go out or something like that. I think there's a lot of sort of people stepping up like that in really meaningful ways. And I think that is kind of the sort of thing that um, that we hope we are when we are, you know, we talk about what Ala- what it means to be an Alaskan, uh, what it means to be, you know, part of a community. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah. Yeah. So, there, you know, I think that there is, you know, maybe a silver lining a little bit, or at least not a silver lining, but like something to take heart in, which is, I think people really are kind of hopefully caring for each other and not gouging or at least shaming the people who are gouging. And, um, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> shame the gougers. <laughs> and I think, you know, I, we talked about this before uh, we got on here, but talked a little bit about, you know, the, the, the new sort of kind of, I think staying home and working from home is a really eye opening experience. Um, I think that it, my takeaway from doing the blog is that, geez, you know, there are very rarely, there's very few jobs that really take a full eight hours to get done in a day. And so I think having a little bit of um, working from home and having a little bit of flexibility to start and stop your work or to be kind of pursuing other things during optimal hours, maybe you work in the evening now and you're out walking the dog or having fun or, you know, writing a book or, or whatever, um, learning how to draw, learning how to cook, all those sort of things. Like, I think it may, I think there's real opportunities to, um, take your time that you have now and put it to good use. You know, I think, you know, catch up on a movie, watch some, you know, play some video games, uh, learn how to cook, you know, read a book, all that sort of stuff I think is, um, you know, I think people could hopefully take away some real good from this sort of time alone a little bit. Um, I always, I, I look back really fondly on my time coming to Alaska when I took the ferry up from Bellingham to um, Haines, I didn't have any internet and I really, I had like a couple books with me and it was really nice to be able to kind of sort of, sort of detox a little bit from my life in, um, in lower 48 and, and come, getting ready to move up to Alaska. And I think I kind of look at this time sort of similarly, it's sort of a time to look at yourself, you know, to clean up your house, take care of yourself, take care of your community and you know and and maybe you know maybe put move yourself a little more forward in your own life and i think that is i don't know i kind of i'm sort of hopeful about some of that sort of stuff but people might come away saying oh you know it is fun to work from home and let's 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 find more opportunities for people to be able to work that kind of life and um i don't know i don't know yeah i mean it's not a reality for every profession but for many of them it is and like you and if we can cut down on the amount of you know disease vectors we have like that's that's going to be good for everyone right um you know i think that you make a good point like human industry doesn't stop just because we're uh self-quarantining or or social distancing uh human industry is just sort of like this natural thing we get fidgety and we want to make something or do something and i'm excited to do a bunch more drawing and uh you know like write do some writing and uh, i know marion's been doing some writing and it's really um you know, I'm going to read a book. It's going to be great. So uh, that's the that's the silver lining part of it. <laughs> it's going to be great. Maybe it was an overstatement, but I think that the uh, but yeah, I think there is like there's a little silver lining in that. I'm excited to see all the weird little home videos and stories and pieces of artwork that come out of um, this isolation time. Yeah. 
Also, that fun fact, um, the governor's emergency powers I, allows him to quarantine pretty much any sort of private property in Alaska for a oh, emergency response. Except, Not quarantine, like com- sorry, commandeer, Yeah, sorry, right? commandeer, that's what I meant to say. Commandeer yeah. any kind of private property, except for the media. Any sort of media at all is pr- protected against being commandeered right now. So Even this podcast? I, presumably. So. Sweet. I just want to make sure I get to hang on to my laptop. Yes. And be like, sorry, sorry, Governor, that's my podcasting laptop. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go All play right. some video games and take the dogs for a walk and maybe go make a nice breakfast. So. All right. I'm going to go carry a bunch of boxes and get moved into this condo. All right. <laughs> take care, Alaska. All right. Bye, Alaska. Bye.